Canine Cast number eight. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hello out there, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. I'm Tara. And this is Walter. And for tonight's show, um, really, I think I'm just going to rant a little bit because today it seems like I've just been presented with so many really just just sad and terrible and unnecessary um, stories about, well, the stories aren't unnecessary, but the things that happen in them are, about just different different irresponsible things that people do with dogs. Um, if you think about it, dogs really don't require that much from us. They, they love people. They want to be around you. They want to be with you and be part of your pack. And they give you their everything, all of their love and all of their attention. All they ask in return is that we just, we love them and we take care of them. We just provide for their basic needs. And I think it is so sad and such a, you know, a sad commentary on humanity that there are so many dogs who go without just those very few basic things in life. And I'm sure that I'm probably, for the most part, preaching to the choir here because you guys are obviously very interested in dogs in general, your own dogs, what have you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this show. But it just, um, it, it never ceases to amaze me how um, people just, just it, it's almost like they, they don't realize that dogs are these living things. It's like they think that they are stuffed animals that move. And that's about as far as it goes. But no, no, they're actual, they're actual sentient beings. They, they think and they have feelings and, you know, emotions along with, you know, actual physical feelings. And they, you know, they have wants and they have needs. And even though, I mean, they don't, they don't talk. They may, some of them make more noises than others, but, you know, they don't speak our language, but. I mean, that doesn't make them, you know, they're really not all that different from us in that, you know, they basically want to be loved and um, be part of something. Uh, One of the biggest differences with them is that they love us regardless of a lot of things. They don't care how much much money somebody has or what somebody looks like or, or any of those kind of superficial things that people get all caught up in. They, you know, a dog is the time in your life when you get to pick your best friend. You go and you get a dog and you bring them home and you spend some time with that dog and for nothing other than than just that, that you went and picked that particular dog and you've now spent time with that dog and are taking care of that dog, they just give you their undying love and devotion. That's something that's so amazing and so wonderful to be a part of. But at the same time, I mean, it's just, it's such an awesome responsibility for us to shoulder. And it seems like it's just, there's just so many people out there who, who don't shoulder it. I get, I, I don't know if they don't understand or what, but I mean, I can't, I would imagine that they probably, that they probably, you know, don't understand or they just lose sight of what's important in dealing with dogs because to think, you know, how, how much we get from them how much they enrich our lives for asking so little. Um, it just, it just amazes me. But I, I guess what's, what's, what I'm talking about here mostly is just, you know, ir- irresponsible dog ownership or guardianship, however you prefer to, um, to say it. I know that, um, I, I tend to think of it as ownership because that's what it's been called all of my life. But 
I understand why some people have a problem with that term because I guess when you say ownership, people kind of, you know, think of, you know, this is mine and I can do with it as I please. And while to a certain extent that is true, just if you think about it, just because you can do something, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should and and vice versa. You know, just because you don't have to do something, that doesn't mean that you, you know, shouldn't do it. So I think that's that's part of the problem, whether whether it doesn't matter whether or not you term it ownership or guardianship or what have you. It's just, you know, in your actions regarding your your own dogs and just just dogs in general and how people treat them. They're they're not just they're not just unfeeling things for people to treat how they may. They they should be treated nicely and kept as part of your pack because, you know, that's that's what that what that's what makes us human that we have the ability to have empathy for other beings and actually act on their behalf and i mean that's that's the least that we owe these wonderful creatures who bring so much to our lives and um i guess it, just just so you guys know what uh, where this is coming from and what i'm getting at just today i've just i've just seen so many um so many things that i know that are there but i guess they're just not right in front of me all the time such as just just the idea of dogs living at the end of a chain a dog a dog being tied up and living its whole entire life like that something like a, a tethered dog is two and a half times more likely to bite a child so um it just it just amazes me but even that aside if you just think about it i mean we wouldn't want to live our entire lives on the end of a six-foot leash so I don't understand why people would would do that to their dogs, and um, so I'm just I'm just so very very saddened by the by this, and and just just thinking about you know this going on just in general that people that people do this. I mean I, you know I'll drive I'll drive down the road, and sometimes I'll see you know dogs who live their whole life outside tied up on a chain, with you know a dog house there. And maybe the people go outside and pet it or are they outside with it sometimes and maybe they're not. And it's just it's just so sad. So if I mean, I and, and unfortunately, I don't really know what the answer to that is um, other than trying to educate people and try to, you know, tell them, oh, well, there's ways that you can you can train your dog so you can bring it inside or you can train your dog so that you don't, you know, so that you don't have to put it on this on this in a lot of cases there will be dogs who are tied up where there's no fence there well not only is that is that dangerous as the dog could be aggressive towards someone else what if what if what if another dog running stray comes up and, and gets that dog that's tied up outside that's horrible and, and the tied up dog has nowhere to go so it could just be you know a question of putting a fence or putting a higher fence or bringing the dog inside um, and people people just won't do it it makes me it makes me so sad and it's something that you know, can cause dog attacks and is preventable. But I don't know. I don't know why people don't do it. I don't know why if somebody wants to have a dog, if they take upon themselves the responsibility, nobody forces that on them, why they don't then go ahead and, you know, and do the research and figure out what, you know, what would be good for this dog. And also that doesn't occur to them that this other living, breathing being with feelings that wants to be around them wouldn't want to be on the end of a chain it's it's whole life and then so that's that's just one one thing in in general um another another thing that just it makes me so sad is 
people, well, I guess, I guess dogs ending up in shelters for, for preventable reasons. Um, and, and most, most reasons really are preventable if you think about it. I remember when I, when I was volunteering at the SPCA, I think that probably, goodness, probably a good 50% of the dogs I saw, the reason why they brought it in was because they would say they had to move or moving out of state or apartment wouldn't accept dogs or something along those lines. But basically, basically saying that, you know, the dog couldn't live with them wherever they were living, which always, which always, you know, it, not just me, everybody there, but just, just seemed like such a, you know, a preventable reason to turn the dog in really kind of an excuse. And I'm sure that the decision to give up your dog for, you know, for a lot of people is a, a horrible decision to have to make. Um, I'm lucky enough that I've never had to do that myself. However, um, and I, and I, I'm not, I don't mean to say that everybody is using this as an excuse. However, just with the sheer numbers that you see, it become it becomes quite obvious that, you know, for, for each person who is doing this, and really it's a terrible heart-rending decision for them, that there are also people out there where really they didn't think that much about it. They didn't try that hard and it is indeed an excuse. Um, and another th- another thing that we saw so often, and this wasn't this wasn't so much a, a, an angry thing; it's just a heartbreaking thing, is that we would see dogs that came in because they their owners, you know, had moved into assisted living shelters or had died or, you know, something or had gone into the hospital or something else, you know, just equally just a heartbreaking situation. And you know the poor the poor dogs are there and they've lost their you know they've lost their family. They don't know what's going on and. And meanwhile, you know, on the other side of the coin, the poor person, you know, they don't have their dog with them. And that's just horrible. So what you want to do, if you have dogs, make sure now to make a contingency plan for your dog. So that if you do find yourself in a situation where maybe you can't afford to live in an apartment that will allow dogs. Or if you get sick and you have to be in the hospital or, you know, heaven forbid, you know, something something happens to you and you are no longer with us here on this earth to make make a contingency plan now so that you know that your dog will be taken care of by somebody that it knows that it's comfortable with. Um, Walter and I have that. We've, um, you know, we've, we've talked to family members who will, you know, who actually we've had multiple family members offer to, if we should need it, that they would take care of our dogs for us, you know, and, and vice versa, you know, with, with us where we would, we would take theirs as well. Um, and it's the only way don't, you know, it's, it's, I guess, kind of like making out a will. You never want to think about that happening. It's real easy to put it off. But when you're, when you're talking about dogs, they can't fend for themselves. It's up to us to take care of them. So don't put that off. Is there any kind of like legal documentation that you need to have in place for that? Like online? Um, actually, actually, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, more and more often, um, people, people are beginning to, you, you can actually make legal documents. Yes. Um, I don't know about finding it online. However, a lot of shelters have the information for you so that you can go ahead and get that together and actually and actually put together the documentation that you need. Now, what, um, with us, actually, Walter and I should get some documentation. Our, you know, our agreements with our family have been um, word of mouth up to this point. And it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's been discussed, it is understood 
um, overtly, even though we don't have the documentation. But that's a very good idea to actually. I mean, our, our dogs are pretty cute. I imagine they'll fight <laughs> over them. Yeah, they they probably. As a matter of fact, maybe maybe we should make documentation so that they don't fight over them too much. But um, but but basically. You hear that, family? Yeah, they yeah don't fight over our dogs when we keel over, please. Um, we but actually that that's something that's so important. If you have not made a contingency plan for your dog, do it now. Do it today. Don't put don't put it off because you never know uh, what's what's around the corner, and you want to make sure that they'll be taken care of. You know if you're not there for them, and then um, oh, the other the other thing that really got me talking to one of my friends at the dog club. Um, I'm a member of a dog training club in the area. And there are all kinds of people there, people who do um, confirmation, which is the, the dog shows that you normally see on TV where they walk the dog and then the judge picks the, the best-looking one, um, to obedience competitions and agility competitions and, and herding. I mean, every dog sport imaginable, there's, there's probably somebody there who does it. And what's, what's so sad, what my friend was saying, is that a lot of the people who do um, who do confirmation, who are you know, that's basically the the purpose of confirmation is supposed to be to pick breeding stock. Don't necessarily do it with dogs that are um, you know that that are designed for what they were bred for. Um, for example, certain herding breeds where the ones that do really well in the confirmation ring, looking pretty, you know, they can't herd anything. They're scared of the animals they're supposed to herd. Or that kind of thing. Or maybe, you know, the dogs look really good, but as as is the case um, for lots of large breeds dogs, there's hip dysplasia running rampant throughout the breed. And the reason why is because, unfortunately, um, these days there are too many people who are more concerned with winning than with breeding, you know, than with breeding dogs that are sound and are are stable. And I'm, I by no means mean all of these people because there are people out there who are good um, and who really are into into doing this for the betterment of the breed. And those those are the people who, in my opinion, you know, if anyone's going to be breeding, they should be doing it because they're the ones who are continuing um, producing healthy sound dogs. But um, but unfortunately, so many people are doing this when and and it, and at this at this point in time, that's so sad. We have so many dogs that millions are being put to sleep every single day. Every I mean, well, millions are being put to sleep every single year, thousands every single day, and that's just in the U.S. and in the rest of the countries, the numbers may be in the millions per per month or per week, and it's so sad when when that's going on. It seems to me that what makes the most sense is to, for the most part, try to find home for the dogs that are here. And any more that you bring into the world, well, then it seems that it would behoove us all to make sure that those dogs are as healthy and as, you know, as temperamentally sound. They're, they're you know, friendly, good dogs and, you know, able to do what they were bred for. And, and they really should be top top members of their breed otherwise it's just compounding the overpopulation problem and um i mean like i said whew, what i i really am ranting but uh d i mean t today just so many of these things have have come up and you know and that's why i say at the you know the end of the show to, to spare neuter your dog because it's the best thing you can do for your furry friend it really is true first of all for your dog it's it's healthier. Even people people who do breed, um, you know, the the ones who are good and responsible with their dogs, um, the ones who do pro 
produce more dogs because they are top members of the breed um, or their dogs produce top members of the breed. Those people, they breed for, for maybe a few years and then they spay or neuter their dogs because later on it is of health benefit to their dogs. So, um, you know, as, as responsible owners, you know, please, please go ahead and do that. And if you are, you know, if you are people who are, who are very into your breed and you, you know, and you do all the tests and you, you know, you get the working titles and you work your dogs and you have great, fabulous, outstanding members of the breed, you know, of course that have been proven objectively through, um, I said, uh, trials and, um, you know, confirmation, obedience, uh, working titles, what have you, and you decide to breed, you know, by all, by all means, like I'm not, I'm not against that because if nobody bred dogs, we wouldn't have any. And that would be, that would be sad for all other different reasons. But, um, you know, so that, so that's fine. But of course, but of course, you know, if you fall into that camp, then I'm sure that you are already, once your dog is, you know, going to be retired from all of that, are already planning on breeding, uh, sorry, on spaying and neutering them when they are done with their um, competition and breeding lives. And for those of you who have your dogs as pets, you know what? There really, there's no such thing as an accidental breeding because it's all preventable. If you have a dog that you know you don't want to breed or you know that it is not one of, you know, one of those top members of the breed that's going to produce more great members. Not saying that your dog isn't wonderful because everybody's dog is the best ever except for the one before that and except for the one before that and except for the one before that. But, um, you know, unless your dog has been objectively, you know, judged to be a, you know, a great member that can, um, that can do what they were bred to do and is healthy and so on and so forth, that you're really going to be bettering the breed by breeding it, then spay or neuter it. It's so much healthier for them. The sooner you do it for them, the better it is for them. It makes your life so much less complicated because you don't have to worry about things like what's going to happen if they get out or they, um, they're not going to be marking as much and so on and so forth. Um, but it's, just, it's such such a wonderful thing for you and for your dog and for your dog's health to um, absolutely, you know, absolutely do that. It's the most responsible thing that you can do and the best thing for you and your dog. So, um, so along with along with this, you know, I've gone on and on about all of these things that people do with their dogs that can be done better. And you know, it's up it's up to you guys, each and every single one of you, and and us included, each each individual person to you know to help to help with this to try to um to help educate people who may not know that tying a dog up is not the best thing for them some people simply don't know and if they knew how to bring them inside would so you know it can't hurt to try to you know tell them if they seem receptive to it to you know make those contingency plans for your dogs so that they won't end up in the shelter you know if if anything you know should happen to you and you know we pray definitely that it does not you know, and also to to go ahead and um, plan for your own dogs. You know, spay and neuter them, so that they are not producing, um, so that they are not producing more dogs. You know, accidentally or needlessly into this world. Um, it's up to us. We're th we're the ones who can who can change it and turn it around. Which I guess is uh, the point of my ranting. That to get to the positive spin of it is that you know all these things are going on that these that people are doing, but. But, you know, we're the ones here, and, and that, that's, you know, a part of the show is just, you know, talking about responsible dog ownership and, and training and, you know, exchanging ideas to, you know, make the lives of our dogs better. 
So, all right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Now, as I said before, our dogs are so, so amazing to us. And we have, we actually have been asking for our listeners to send in stories, and we have received some. And there was one that, that really, really caught our attention because it spotlights uh, the amazing bond between um, a person and a dog and just how terribly much they impact our lives. And it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a sad, it's a sad story. It's, it's a bit of a tearjerker, but um, it's also, it's, it's such a very, very special, very touching story that we wanted to share it with you. So Walter is going to go ahead and um, read that to you now. Like I said, it's sad. So if you don't want to hear a sad story, then you may want to skip ahead. But if you if you can handle it, then you know stay t- stay tuned and listen to this because uh, it's it's one that you may like quite a lot as we did. All right, take it away, Walter. Thanks, Tara. This story was sent along by Chris Daly, who also sent us a video of one of his dogs climbing a ladder into his attic. So we're going to link to that in the show notes and in the Enhanced Podcast. So guys, definitely check that out. We found it kind of cute. I think you will enjoy it as well. So here's the story. Tara and Walter. In response to your call for dog stories, I thought I would share the story of my best friend Samson and the day last September when I had to put him to sleep. At first blush, you may think this is a downer subject, but I think it contains valuable information for people facing euthanasia decisions and can be of comfort. I thought I would give the complete rundown of what led to Sam's passing, as much for exercising of personal demons as to explain to those of you still unclear about the details. Being a very large dog, Sam was stricken with hip dysplasia. As a result of this condition, Sam's rear legs had slowly degraded in size and range of motion. While he was still able to get around, Sammy walked stiffly, and from time to time, his hind legs betrayed him enough to give him trouble getting up or moving quickly. A little over a week ago, the always stoic Samson started limping while favoring his right front leg. He never really showed too many signs of pain or discomfort. An occasional whimper when he moved the leg wrong and a sad glance my way was the extent of his complaining. Thinking the limp was some acute overuse injury, I decided to give it a little time and see if it got better. It would get a little better, and he would move freely and then, without warning, would go back to being more severe. After a week of spending most of the day on the couch and limping when it was time to go out, I decided to take him to the vet. The idea was to see if he had dislocated his shoulder or had some other treatable injury. The ride to the vet was very tough, as I had to lift him into the vehicle and out. He also had a lot of trouble with the slick floor of the vet's office. The vet and I agreed on a set of x-rays to determine what was going in the troubled limb. I helped get him into the x-ray room. The waiting room was a horrible experience, as I spent what seemed like eternity, but was actually about 15 minutes waiting to hear the results. The doctor returned with the x-rays in a very long face. The problem with Sam's leg was cancer of the long bones, a common form of cancer in large breed dogs. The vet was amazed at how far the disease had progressed, and that Sam was able to walk at all. He was also shocked that Sam was not constantly whimpering in pain, but Sam was like that, a very tough dog that never complained. His prognosis was one to three months to live at the outside. The options I was given were A. Treat the cancer with chemotherapy, 
and the pain with the painkillers. B. Do nothing and let nature take its course. Or C. Put him to sleep. I was told that treating him would possibly prolong his life by a month or two and would put him in a zombie drugged up state. It would also require him to be carried from room to womb, assisted in his trips outside to use the bathroom, and he would not be very responsive throughout. Doing nothing would increase his pain substantially as the final months tick by and would not only entail the same assistance, but it would also be painful to him each time he was moved. The final option seemed the most humane. I really could not see making his pain last any longer. The doctor asked what I would like to do, and I couldn't find the words to answer. He assisted me by asking if I would like to put him down. Again, I tried to answer, but could not. With tears swelling in my eyes and a lump in my throat, all I could do was nod without making eye contact. The doctor said he would make the arrangements and asked if I would like to be present. Again, a nod was all I could manage. When the doctor left the room, I lost it. My body heaved and convulsed in violent jerks as the realization that I was losing my closest friend sunk in. Not only had he lived with me for the past ten years, he shared my joys, my pain, my food, Heck, he even slept in the same bed. My head swam with thoughts of guilt over giving the okay, and thoughts that not doing so would be selfish on my part. An attendant came in with a paper to sign with which I acknowledged my consent. In addition, she wanted to handle the payment for the visit before the procedure. Makes sense from their standpoint, but just seems so cold. With the paperwork completed and my composure regained, I was led to the back room. One step into the room and all heads turned to face me. At least half a dozen vets and assistants all turned to see the guy who was losing his friend. I was composed, although I imagined very red-eyed from the waiting room breakdown. I glanced down and saw that Sam was laying on a large blanket on the floor resting. That glance nearly killed me. Again, I lost self-control. I lost control of myself and I sobbed in large heaving jerks. I had to stop walking because I couldn't see as tears flowed in a torrent down my cheeks. I convulsed over and over with my face in my hand standing in the middle of the room, all eyes on my pain. After again regaining control, I went to Sam and laid prostate on the floor face to face with my bud. I petted his face and kissed his snout. He raised his head and licked my face for a third time, and for a third time I violently wept. I hugged him so close and kissed him over and over while petting him profusely. With my face buried in his and my body heaving in pain, the doctor said, Let me know when you are ready. I couldn't say anything once again. I couldn't tell them to go ahead. I couldn't tell them to stop. They vanished from my awareness altogether. It was only Sam and I there, and I needed him to know how much I loved him just then. I couldn't tell him enough. I couldn't prove it enough. Over and over I sobbed, I love you, buddy. You're my good boy. I love you, Sammy. That's a good boy. You're okay, buddy. I reeled them off rapid fire. You're my good boy. I love you, Sammy. I love you, buddy. The sound of doctor sounded far away and muffled. Are you ready? Should we do it now? Again, no words were available for anyone but Sam. Covered in tears with dog hair stuck to my soaked face, I nodded quickly to the vet and again buried my face deep in his. I love you, buddy. You're my good boy. I love you, Sammy. It was horrible as they couldn't hit the vein for the injection. I was crying like a schoolgirl, hugging my beautiful buddy and desperately trying to make sure he knew the depth of my feelings for him. 
while they were consulting over how to get the needle in. I wanted to scream, stop, I changed my mind, please don't do it, stop, 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 but I couldn't. I couldn't take a break from loving Sam. I couldn't let him go on in pain and couldn't go on without him. I've never felt so helpless and useless in my life. The only thing I knew how to do was to love my best friend, so I did it. I did it with all my power. I did it without regard to how I looked. All that mattered was that I do it. The only thing I had in the world at that instance was my love for Samson. The procedure finally happened, and Sam's breathing slowed and then stopped. I continued sobbing through many more I love you, buddy. You're my big boy. You're my Sammy. I love you, Sammy. He was still warm. He was still Sam. He was still there, darn it, and I still loved him. Over and over I wept and proclaimed my devotion, all the while locked in a full hug around his neck and smothered in his fur. Then as if in answer, after being still for over a minute, he let out one large sigh. The doctor had warned me, while in the waiting room, that this would happen. But just as I thought I had reached the absolute bottom, that sigh ripped me apart. Here I was, a full-grown man, laying face down on the floor at the vet's office, hugging my dead dog and crying like a child. I had never felt so destroyed nor so alive. In my life, I have only cried over four events from the time I was a teenager through today. Even the tears caused by the sight of my father in a casket did not compare to the depth of my pain I felt in losing Sam. I couldn't speak for hours afterwards. I left garbled messages for friends and family that Sam was gone and that I could not feel like talking. I'm not sure what stage of the famous seven stages of grief I'm currently in, but I know that writing this helps. Wow. Um, kind of have to catch my breath after that one. Um, Chris, that's an, an amazing story. As I said before, Walter and I, uh, we, we really like that story, and it just shows the amazing bond that can happen between a human and a dog. And what's interesting is we actually have received um, word from a number of different listeners who have recently had to put their dogs to sleep. That's always such a very difficult thing when you lose you know, your, your best friend, your loved one, your dog. But at the same time, you know, for those of us who have been through that, uh, it's a good time to focus on the fact that we're actually really lucky. The fact that we miss them so terribly when they're gone means that they meant so much to us while they were here. And, um, you know, when, when you think about that, that kind of makes you smile a little bit as you remember them. So, uh, so thank you for sharing that with us, Chris. Thank you to, you know, to our other listeners who have, um, you know, who have shared with us, you know, pictures and, um, and stories about their dogs. And please do continue to send in um, the, your pictures and your stories. And we're going to continue to read them on the air, um, you know, be, be they sad or, or touching stories or, or funny ones or rescue stories. Um, any any stories about your dogs? We yeah. yeah, we love to hear them. And actually, I forgot to mention this, but Chris Daly also sent in a picture of his dog um, that we've posted in the on the website. A link to it in the enhanced podcast as well. Yep. So you'll be able to to check out Samson. Um, but thank you once again for joining us and for listening. And as always, I will leave you with this thought that if you have not already, to please spay or neuter your pet because it really is the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, 
please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at caninecast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com.